Good morning. You know, before we, we, before we get into Scripture, just wanted to know um, if we have any men and women who have served our country or who are currently serving our country. Would you stand? Any veterans? Wow. Now... Stay standing, because I want to ask now families, if, if you have family members or friends, or you know of somebody who, is, who have served or who is currently serving, please stand up as a symbol of all the men and women who somehow we're connected to. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for what you have done. Let me just, what we want to do is a special prayer. We want to ask God to bless not only your life, but the life of all the men and women who are around the, the world. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of these amazing men and women. They have been through a lot. They could write books, scripts to movies, all because they wanted to share freedom and all the great things of life with us. We ask you to bless them, provide for their needs. If they are injured, we ask for healing. If some of them are no longer with us, we ask for comfort. And for those who are far away, we ask them to come home. Who are, we ask for those who are in danger to be protected. And God, I guess deep down, what we really ask is for that one day, for all the nations to be able to live in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series titled Heaven on Earth, based on the book of Psalms 23. It's been fascinating watching uh, and hearing Pastor John, you know, break down every verse weekend after weekend. I remember when he first shared what his plans during staff meeting, I, I told John, I'm are you sure you want to do this? Do, do we have enough material to cover for six weeks? He's like, yeah, don't worry. In fact, you'll be preaching. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks. I'm in trouble. You know, it's, it's, it's the most popular Bible verse or Bible text. It's known to Christians and non-Christians. You watch the NFL. Somebody will have a sign besides John 3.16. You'll see Psalms 23. I mean, you, it, it's everywhere. And, and unfortunately, most of the times we associate Psalms 23 with funerals. But like Pastor John was saying, this is a good text to review and to study during the week as we go and do all the great things that we do. This morning, I want to ask you to, to go to Psalms 23. We can review a, fir, a, a couple of the things that he had mentioned. So if you have your Bible, you have your iPad, Kindle, Blackberry, iPhone, whatever, you have memorized it, great. I invite you to go to Psalms 23, verse 1, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. What else can we say? I mean, we, we could close this, the Bible. We can close our series. We can go home because that's a lot to take for one day. The Lord is my shepherd. Do we really believe that? Are we allowing him to take over our lives? The Lord is my shepherd. King David, 
which we think he's the one who wrote this song, he said, what else do we want? If we got God as our shepherd, what else do we want? We're set. We're done. We can go home. Unfortunately, he wrote verse 2, 3, 4, and 5, but we can review it real quick so we can get an idea of what he was saying. He says, God, the shepherd, makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet water. Basically, what he's saying is the shepherd provides for the sheep the basic needs, rest, grass, water. Even though some of the sheep may want a new iPad or they might want a double-double animal-style fries and a strawberry milkshake from in and out the shepherd knows the basic needs, grass, rest, and water. You have some rebellious sheep once in a while. <laughs> he restores my soul. Now, you can take any vacation around the world, the most exotic islands, best resorts, but only God can restore your soul. He guides me in path of righteousness. Who needs a GPS? Why Google and, and, and MapQuest? Where are you going next? When you have God in your side, you won't get lost. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you were here last week, Pastor John shared a really good message. That even though, you know, at times we, we make bad decisions and we're the ones who just end up in this shadow of darkness, of evil, of, of pain and suffering. Hey, God is still there. God is still there. Regardless of what we're going through in life, God is still there. He may not take us out. He'll help us get through it. He is there. For that reason, why fear? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Wow. Don't we need that? The presence of God will comfort us. Now check this out, verse 5. This is where things begin to change. And God begins to spoil us. Verse 5, it says, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And I guess we can leave verse 6 to Pastor John next week when he, when he comes back. You prepare a table before me. For theologians, Psalms 23, there are three sections that describe the character of God or who God is. The first section is, is verse 1 and 2, and it describes God as a, a shepherd. It's pretty obvious. The Lord is my shepherd. Pretty clear. Then the second section describes God as a guide. Verse 3 and 4, you know, we just read it. Verse 4, uh, verse 3, he guides me in path of righteousness. And now this morning we're entering a new section, verses 5 to 6, where it's describing God as a host. A gracious host who is providing for the guests. You prepare a table before me. I, I personally like how Eugene Peterson paraphrased this verse. He says, you serve me a six-course dinner 
right in front of my enemies. Somehow, if you're reading another version, it's like you prepare a table, you're thinking, well, it provides, you know, the plates, the forks, you know, it's things that kind of we do when, when we're not involved in the cooking. It's like, yeah, I prepare the table, it's ready, but where's the food? Where are the good stuff? Eugene Peterson captures it pretty well when he says, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Now, Think about your days. Really busy, been working really hard, taking care of the kids, cleaning out the house, traveling from one place to the other. You come, ho- you come home and what is it that you want besides the remote control? Maybe a good book, a massage. You want somebody to spoil you, to just kind of cater to you, to maybe give you a massage. Now think about it. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when they were, we had no technology, we had no cars, the, the roads were just pretty bad, full of dirt. You know, you were traveling from one place to the other. I mean, you were exhausted. You were thirsty. You were hungry. And you were just hoping that you would make it home. And when you make it home, the Bible says, waiting for you, it's a six-course dinner. Amen to that. You know, I was thinking about my college years this week. Um, you know, somehow when you're in college, you're always broke and you're always hungry. Maybe I was the only one who went through that, but always broke and hungry. Well, you know, at the end of my freshman year, my friends and I decided to, you know, go to Hawaii um, and do missionary work. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, somebody got to reach the Hawaiians, you know, so you just had to be out there. And, uh, you know, the Hawaiian conference had the literature evangelist team that went to all the islands, Kauai, Maui, Big Island, you know, Oahu, just, you know, going door to door selling Christian books. And we thought it would be great. We thought it would be great. So we join in and, and we just arrive. And first of all, let me tell you, Hawaii is great as a vacation spot. But when you live there, it's a different story. Everything is so expensive. Like a bean burrito here is like 69 cents. Over there is like 20 bucks. Like rent, you know, it's, it's so pricey. There were six of us in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Don't ask us about the mess. We had plenty of room for the surfboards and for us to sleep. That's about it. Six guys in a one-bedroom apartment. Our schedule was so kickbacks, you know, um, surf. Sell Christian books, sleep, you know, the three S. You know, good, good schedule. And um, our diet, you know, just kind of suffer because of our budget. Breakfast, cereal, we skip lunch, and for dinner, uh, ramen noodles, you know. <laughs> That's all we could afford. At the end of the summer, we were just starving. We had lost weight. We wanted to go home. We were missing home so bad. But towards the end of the summer, one of my friends got a call from one of his church members who was in the island of Oahu, um, she was doing business, she was on a business trip, and she had heard that he was there and decided to take him off for dinner. Now, as they were talking, he explained that he was not alone. <laughs> There's five other starving students in the same one-bedroom apartment. Now, she was shocked, and she was so gracious. She said, you know what, just bring him along. You know, I'll, I'll take you guys out. Why don't we go to this place called Legends? In Waikiki, good place. Legends, it's, it's a Buddhist restaurant. Chi- you know, Chinese food, but it's all vegetarian. 
The best thing, everything was free. So we got there, we sat on our table, we began to look at the menu, and she's like, let me order. I got this. We're like, okay, you're paying. So she began from the top to the bottom ordering two to three of every item, you know, from appetizers to salads and soups and entries, desserts, you name it. Anything you wanted, she would order two to three of those orders. The service had to clear a table next to us so they could put all the dishes I'm telling you, it was like a buffet. We had to go around two different tables just getting all the food. We were, sh- we were eating so much. I remember I was eating this soup. It's like shark fin soup made out of portobello mushroom. <laughs> relax, relax. And this fried fish made out of potato and carrots. Just good stuff. And I remember pinching myself. I'm like, am I dead? Is, is this heaven? Is this paradise? What's going on here? She just kept ordering and ordering. She didn't even know who we were. At the end of the night, it's safe to say uh, we didn't take any doggy bags. We took boxes. We took boxes home. And I'm not exaggerating. We took boxes home that lasted a week in our one-bedroom apartment, we had a banquet. And that's what King David is trying to say. When you're in the presence of God, you're not going to get the little bread you get in communion. It's like starving. You're not going to get the little wine that you're like, oh, with the flavor, you're choking on it. You get a six-course meal because God wants to spoil you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares. As Christians, sometimes we feel like, Oh, man, you know, coming, you know, all depressed, low self-esteem, you know. God loves you. God cares so much about you that he is willing to throw a banquet for you. The problem is that in our society, we're constantly worrying about other things that we forget to connect with this God. We worry about school. We worry about relationships, our finances, the economy, politics, you name it, anything. There's a reason why Jesus in the New Testament, share with his followers the following. Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink or about your body? What will you wear? Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Now, if, if you ever hang out with Jamaicans, Jamaicans are really cool, laid-back people. But they use this phrase called, no problem, man. And Rob, I, I'm sorry if I'm not, you know, using the right accent. But it's just inspiring that no matter what the circumstances, or maybe you've been to Jamaica, but no matter what the circumstances, it's like, no problem, man. Don't worry. Even Bob Marley came out with a song that is so popular. Don't, you know, I'm not going to sing it to you. But the idea that why worry? And that's what Jesus was saying. Why worry when you have God in your side? He kept saying, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father, not the government, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Sometimes we need to review these Bible verses. We need, to, we need to understand how much God cares about us. We're valuable to him. Are you not much more valuable than they? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry. What should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? For the people of this world run after these things. And your heavenly fathers knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you do this, you got everything else. He'll take care of you. He'll spoil you. Now you understand why David is writing, you serve me a six-course dinner. He loves you. He cares about you. Now, if you keep reading, there's a part that bothers me. You serve me a six-court dinner in front of my church members. Is that what your Bible says? In front of your friends and family. No, it says your enemies. Why would you invite my enemies to a party? Have you ever invited your enemies to a wedding, a potluck, baby shower, maybe Thanksgiving? Or it depends on who's cooking. Maybe that's when you invite them, right? <laughs> it's the wrong thing to do. I will be, you know, stressed thinking that, you know, my enemy's next to me, sitting in the table as I'm eating my pumpkin pie, you know, just use a, the fork and stab me or, or something. I would be worried. I would be stressed. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. It bothered me. Until I found this, this commentary that says that tradition, that tradition back then was that the host was obligated not only to entertain the guest, but to protect him from his enemies. And when once the meal of hospitality had been partaken, all the power and strength of the host became assured to the guest. He was now safe and secure, and his enemies were powerless to injure him. For from this time forward, he was the guest and friend of the host and will be protected and defended by him. So invite all the enemies. If you're in God's presence, bring him on. God will take care of you. But I think there's something else here. Why would God invite the enemies and not serve them the meal? Maybe, maybe what God is trying to say is like, listen, I'm good to you. But allow me to be good to them. And now we don't have enemies, right, because we're Christians. But how about the competition in business? How about those who vote differently than we do? How about those who believe things or do things differently? We may not call them enemies, but sure we talk to them or talk about them as if they were enemies. I found this really cool story from Antony de Mello in his book, The Song of the Bird, where he's says that Jesus Christ had never gone to a football game. So this is what he said. Jesus Christ said he had never been to a football game. So we took him to one, my friends and I. It was a ferocious battle between the Protestant punchers and the Catholic crusaders. The crusaders scored first. Jesus cheered wildly and threw his hat high up in the air. Then the punchers scored. And Jesus cheered wildly and threw his hat high up in the air. This seemed to puzzle the man behind us. He tapped Jesus on the shoulder and asked, Which side are you rooting for, my good man? Me, replied Jesus. 
visible, excited by the game. Oh, I'm not rooting for either side. I'm just enjoying the game. The questioner tur- turned to his neighbor as near, hmm, he's an atheist. <laughs> we took him up on this after the game. Was he in the habit of never taking sides? I side with people rather than religions, said Jesus. Human beings rather than days of worship. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Do you understand? God is so good. He is so good that he wants to share his goodness not only with us, but with the people outside this building, with those who may not be Christian, with those who sometimes give us a hard time and they're a pain, you know where, at work, at school, sometimes at home, in the neighborhood. You serve me a six-course dinner in front of my enemies. In John chapter 10, verse 14 to 16, Jesus said the following, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. God, the good shepherd, wants only one flock, one church, one party, one banquet. He doesn't have to be going around to the different tables, to the different rooms because people can't get along. He wants everybody to enjoy his goodness. So now you understand? As you're enjoying God's goodness, remember, he wants to share the same goodness, his grace, his forgiveness, his hope, and everything else that comes with God, with others. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my eyes. You keep reading, and you're going to find out that you anoint my head with oil. King David says, you anoint my head with oil. Most of us are very particular about our hair. We're like, don't touch it, please. You anoint my head with oil. Now, you know, in their traditions, you know, um, it, was, it was ordinary uh, to honor the guests by anointing the head with oil or scented grease before entering the banquet room. It was also the custom to sprinkle the guests with perfume, you know, a little bit of Hugo Boss or, you know, a Gucci or whatever you wear. Just kind of spray them, making sure they feel special, they smell good, and they're ready for the banquet. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I have to confess that I've been to a spa. You know, my wife has been wanting me to do this for a while, and I'm like, nah, you know, I don't feel confident about it. Finally, we were on a trip on vacation, and she's like, there's nobody around here. We're in the middle of an island. Nobody knows. Just do it. So I joined her on this spa, and, uh, you know, they did massages, and they did all these great things. At the end of the day, I was so relaxed. It felt good. I felt special. When you're in God's presence, He's not only spoiling you with food. He also wants to take care of you. Make sure you're doing okay. Make sure you feel special. Remember what happened to Jesus at that banquet? There was this woman. Remember? You, you remember the story? It was, um, I think, Mark chapter 14. 
you know, he's, he's reclining, having a good time, and there's this lady who brings perfume and pours it on his head as a sign of, hey, honor. You, you are who you are. You are the son of God. In the same way, when we're in God's presence, he wants to honor us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to make sure we know we're special. So at times, we have, he has to treat us like, a, like if it was a spa. You know, take care, a little massage, the oil, perfume. Make sure we smell good. Make sure we feel good. Also, this represented that you were chosen. Remember how they chose King David? The prophet came and anointed him. Well, maybe that's what God is doing to each of us. He's anointing us. He's choosing us for something special. Now that you know how God is good and that he wants to share this with everyone, he is asking you to do the same. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. Finally, verse 5, it says, my cup overflows. Now, I had a hard time trying to understand what this meant. My cup overflows. And then I realized that every tradition, every, you know, culture has their own thing going. So I, I, I was reading that in the South Sea, there's some, in some islands, there are some tribes where after the meal, it's okay to burp. Guys, don't try this. You're, you're in California. Kids, you know, your mom is going to get you in trouble. But, you know, in, in some traditions, it's okay to burp after a meal. You're pretty much saying, thank you for the meal. This was great. You know, I'm full. No more, please. I'll take some to go. In the same way, in their tradition back in the days, you had your cup and you would put wine or grape juice and you would let it run, let it pour, let it overflow. This was a statement. You were telling whoever invited you that you were satisfied. That you're okay, that you were happy, the food was great, the banquet, everything was awesome. In a way, David's saying this. When you hang out with God, man, he wants to spoil you. He wants to take care of you. At the end of the day, you're going to have to say the same. My cup overflows. Now, Jesus said this to the Samaritan woman in John 4, 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When was the last time you got to hang out with God? And I mean it. Not just like, amen, all right, let's go to work. Get to know God. Find out what God is all about. The moment you do this, you're going to be writing psalms like David. You spoil me. You love me. You treat me like to a spa. And you, God loves each of us. He wants to share his goodness with us. But he wants to make sure we're open to having other people in the table, in the banquet room, in our worship service. People who may not look like we do. People who may not think the way we think. People who may not believe. The way we believe, God wants to share his goodness with everyone. Hopefully when you spend time and when you get to know a God, a God who is so loving and caring, you too will be able to say, my cup overflows. Let's pray. 
God, as we continue to study Psalms 23, we realize that, first of all, you're good to us. Not only do you take care of our basic needs, but you also want to spoil us. You want to give us more things that we can't even imagine. God, help us to understand this message. Help us to also accept that you want to do this with other people. And God, help us to find time to get to know you. So we too can say like David, oh, my cup overflows. Bless us as we go our separate ways. In your name we pray. Amen.